0: For many of us, Advent is the launching pad to Christmas morning, a 24-day countdown to stockings and presents. We don't think about Advent as first being about the second coming. After all, it's been two millennia since Christ was born. John 3.16-17 through gives us Christ's mission. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, but to save it. Good morning. morning. Welcome to worship. It's such a blessing to be able to gather with you again here in the presence of our God, whether you're here in the sanctuary or whether you're joining us online We are together, and God is with us. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you happen to be here for the first time today, I'm Pastor Ann, and I am blessed and honored to serve this congregation alongside Pastor Andy. Know that we're glad you're here, and you're always welcome to be a part of what God is doing in and through this community of faith here at The Way Woodstock, where we are committed to sharing sharing in hope, hope, living with purpose, for the sake of others. Today is the second week of our Advent and our sermon series Advent Mission. We were reminded last week that the word Advent means the arrival of a notable person or event. During this season of Advent, we're to prepare our hearts to celebrate the arrival of Jesus. But as Pastor Andy challenged us last week, We aren't just to celebrate the baby in a manger. We also need to prepare our hearts to celebrate the second arrival of Jesus at the end of this age. The return of Jesus and the end of the world as we know it can sound terrifying, especially if you've ever read the book of Revelations at the end of the Bible with all that imaginary uh, that imagery that's used of the great battle that's going to take place. But if we're feeling anxious or afraid of Jesus' return and the end of the world, it's probably because we don't realize that this is a good thing. However, when we keep reading Revelation, we do see that it's got a glorious ending. It was kind of like when Tammy read the the new heaven and the earth, new earth coming, And so you see, Jesus has come, and he is coming on a mission, and it's a rescue mission. Please turn in your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, the 60th chapter, and verses 18 to 20, to hear what was prophesied even before the birth of Jesus regarding the end of the world as we know it. Hear the word of God from the book of Isaiah. No longer will violence be heard in your land, nor ruin or destruction within your borders. But you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. The sun will no more be your light by day, nor will the brightness of the moon shine on you. For the Lord will be your everlasting light and your God will be your glory. Your sun will never set again, and your moon will wane no more. The Lord will be your everlasting light, and your days of sorrow will end. Then all your people will be righteous, and they will possess the land forever. They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands, for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation." I am the Lord, and it's time I will do this swiftly. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Dear most gracious God, we just ask that you come be with us. We know you're always with us. But Lord, help us to feel your presence with us right now in this place at this time. Open our minds and our hearts, Lord, to the message that you have for us today regarding the coming of Jesus. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit we pray. And all God's children said, Amen. Now, although there are many books in the Bible, they all go together to inform us about God and his plan for humanity. In the very beginning, in Genesis 1, verses 26 and twenty to 28, we see that God created man for a specific purpose. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and every other living creature that moves on the ground. First, we see that mankind was made in the image of God for relationship with God. And then we see that God gave Adam and Eve a job, a mission, so to speak. They were to work in the garden and take care of it. They could do anything they wanted except for one thing. They were not to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God warned them that if they were to eat from that tree, they would certainly die. Now, it didn't take long for Adam and Eve both to break their faith with God. We call this the fall when sin entered into the world. Sin is simply our rebellion our willful declaration of independence from God. Even so, though, God takes care of Adam and Eve. He clothes them with garments made of skin. And in order to protect them from eating from the tree of life and living forever knowing good and evil, he banishes them from the garden. That was to protect them. From living forever, forever with the knowledge of good and evil. Their relationship with God has changed though due to their placing themselves above God. And we still see today the fault, the evidence of the fall all around us. Our world is indeed very broken. There's conflict and chaos across the globe. Violence instead of peace. Abuse, cancer, mental illness, addictions, splintered relationships. Why is it that we have such a hard time accepting God's way? Why do we seem to prefer the chaos of our own ways? Yet God never gives up on us. He never gives up on humanity. Throughout the Old Testament, we see God calling people to himself and revealing himself to them. Isaiah was one of the prophets that God had called to deliver his messages to the people. Now, some of the messages delivered by the prophets were hard to hear. They were warnings about what was going to happen if the people continued to live in rebellion and to live self-centered lives rather than God-centered lives. Isaiah even begins that way. But then Isaiah begins to prophesy in chapter 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots, a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him. The spirit of wisdom and of understanding. The spirit of counsel and of might. The spirit of the knowledge and fear of the Lord. Righteousness will be his belt, and faithfulness the, slash, the sash around his waist. And that was Isaiah 11, 1 through 5. Jesus, the word made flesh. Because of the incarnation, God knows and understands the human condition. Jesus lived it. While it's beyond our comprehension to fully understand God, He has revealed Himself to us in Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1-1. In the face of Jesus Christ, we have truly seen the face of God. Not only does Jesus reveal God to us though, He also reveals what human beings, according to God's original design and intention, were meant to be. On our own, we are indeed broken, radically fallen. Romans 8, 7 reminds us, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. But because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we can be reconciled and restored to God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are to die daily to sin and to rise to walk with the Spirit of God. And as we do this on a day-to-day basis, we're transformed into the likeness of our Savior. This is the work of his Spirit in us. But it will only happen to us as we die to ourselves and pray with our Lord, not my will, but thy will. In his first coming, Jesus came to rescue us from ourselves. And it is in Jesus's second coming when all things will be made new. The righteous judge comes to bring order and to restore what has been destroyed and broken. N.T. Wright, an English New Testament scholar and an Anglican bishop, writes this, A good God must be a God of judgment. Not to ever judge in the face of grave injustices would cast a long, dark shadow on God's goodness. As we look forward, this is a time for us to reflect and to repent, but it's also a time for us to receive comfort and joy in the recognition of all things being made new. I've often wondered why Christ's second coming doesn't seem to be as instrumental in our day and age as it was in the early church and I think the answer to my ponderings is found in the the book of second Peter in verses In chapter 3, verses 3 and 4, Peter says, Above all, you must understand that in the last day, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They will say, Where is this coming he promised? Even ever since our ancestors died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. And, of course, even more time has passed since that was written. But Peter has an answer to that in verses 8 and 9. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the day of the Lord, with the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, I don't know about you, but this sounds a little like God is waiting for us to get our act together. It sounds like he's waiting for us to reach maturity in our faith so that others can be drawn to him because of the witness of our lives. God doesn't want anyone to perish. And then Peter continues encouraging his fellow believers in verses 13 and 14. But in keeping with his promise, we are looking forward to that new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. So then, dear friends, since we are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Peter holds to the promise of God, and we need to do this also. So what will it look like when Jesus returns? What will the return of Jesus mean to us? It means no more cancer or mental illness, no more school shootings, No more dictators or refugees. No more unwanted children or sex slave trade. No more climate devastation or war or racism or abuse or addiction. As we celebrate Christ's birth, we know that the battle was won on the cross, yet there is still suffering in our world. We remember those words that Jesus said at the beginning of his ministry, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. We do live in that season of Advent all the time, that time of already but not yet. The kingdom is already realized by Jesus' death, resurrection, and ascension, but it's not fully realized Until he returns and makes all things new. What we believe about how the world will end when Jesus returns determines how we live in the world now. Have you viewed or avoided thinking about the return of Jesus? How can the Holy Spirit help this become good news of a great joy for you today? There's some things that might help. According to George Eldon Land, a New Testament scholar at Fuller Theological Seminary, Jesus' very own teaching about end times, especially in his Olivet Discourse, is fundamentally, it's ethical in its character and purpose. Jesus doesn't seem to be interested in the future for its own sake, but speaks of the future because of its impact on the present. In other words, how can or do we live today in light of that coming day when Jesus comes back? We can be watchful concerning that day, looking forward to it and longing for it. We can focus on living holy lives. As Christians, we're called to be saints, holy ones, conformed to the image of Christ. We can be moved to faithful service. We can actually be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world today. We can be engaged in the mission of the church. We're here to do everything we can Working with God in the power of his Holy Spirit to get the world ready by moving our little corner of the world toward that day. No, we can't take care of what's happening overseas or anything, but our little environment we can have an impact on. We can be encouraged while we wait patiently in the midst of difficulties. And we can joyfully anticipate that day with confidence. We know who is coming back. It's Jesus, our Lord and Savior, the one who laid down his life that we might have life eternal. And he's coming back to be with us face to face forever. Christ was born. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Amen. Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen. Let's pray. Dear most gracious God, help us, Lord, to look forward to that day, the day of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus the day when we will see you face to face, when your light will lighten the entire world and you will be recognized by all. Help us to look forward to that day with anticipation. Give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the, the, the hope that we need to move forward. To bring your light into our little corner of the world. And it is in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.